We're going to start a new series today. Um, we, I want us to start talking about the church. And the reason why I, I'm doing all these all this kind of messages that don't, they don't really look like they are directed at you or they are meeting any particular need uh, is because this is the time we can do this. This is the time we can talk about, you know, what's the foundation of the church. Uh, this is the time we can talk about things like that. By the time people start showing up and this place starts filling up, people expect you to start preaching messages that solve people's problems, you know. So that's why I'm taking my time now to do this. And like my wife and I were saying, when, when the time comes and people start to join, these are the messages that we'll be taking them back to listen to. These are the things we'll be putting in welcome packs for people to listen to, like this is us, to understand what this place stands for, what this is all about, right? So there's the, the understanding of what the church is all about and what the church represents is also very important. That's what I want to start to look at. Over the next two, three weeks, uh, hopefully, we will talk about what, what is the idea behind the church, what did Jesus have in mind when he instituted the church? So that's what we're going to talk about. So today we're going to take the confession together. It's good to have human beings in the room. So I'm not wondering whether <laughs> I'm not wondering whether anybody is saying the confession or not, or whether they are eating part of the arm. So it's good. <laughs> All right. So let's take the confession together. Uh, this this time it will be on the on the screen. But I I would I would, I would say it first, and then you can say it after me. All right. Say every day. Okay, let's, let's make it a little louder. That was the song we sang. Sing a little louder. So let's make it a little louder, okay? Say every day. And in every way, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say, I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time. Say, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say, in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. All right, let's do it again. Say, every day. And in every way, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. 
in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the good thing about church is that they always keep making Sundays. Have you realized that? Like, Sundays just keep coming. There's no, Sundays don't, like, the day that we no longer have Sundays, it means we no longer need church. Uh-huh. The day that, that church, uh, Sundays stop coming, stop showing up, it means rapture has happened. So we no longer need church anyway, all right? So there will always be Sundays. So we, are, we still have a lot to talk about. So like I said, we're going to start a series on the church today. And um, I hope everybody can see clearly. Yep. So uh, I, I want us to start to understand what every Christian needs to know about the church. There are too many Christians that don't really know what the church stands for. Uh, that's why you hear comments, you know, from time to time where, where you are talking. Actually, when you say you, you are starting a church, like I've never heard the kind of comments that I've heard in the past, you know, few weeks that we, we set out, you know. People just say things that you start asking yourself, has this person been taught? this person, and it's not their fault sometimes, you know, and sometimes it's just, you know, people don't take time to break things down, and we assume a lot, we assume a lot, we assume that when we come together like this, and we are, you know, we are Christians, that everybody understands what the church stands for, but not everybody does, so that's what we want to talk about, so today, let's start from this point, what is the, what is the church, what is the church, what exactly is this thing called church, when people say we're going to church, we're starting church, we are in church, this is our church, like my kids now. This is our church. Are other kids coming to our church? <laughs> when are the kids coming? That's their own concern. Is where are the kids? You know. So what is the church? What is the church? What does the church stand for? Let's look at Matthew chapter sixteen. Matthew chapter sixteen from verse thirteen, um, and this was this was Jesus speaking. It's, the Bible says when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. So he was having a conversation with his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Imagine, he's setting a question and he has already given them the answer. But he's saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So you can, you can, you know, be in a, in a community of believers in a church and you don't really know what people are saying. What, who do men say that the church is? Do you understand? Like, what is the understanding that people have? Because you can have one understanding and the people that you are talking to have a completely different understanding of what you are doing. There are people out there who, who have a better idea of how we should be doing this than, than we do, right? But because they don't understand what you know. Don't worry, let me not get ahead of myself. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. Verse 14, it says, So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others say you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. It says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, let me just quickly explain here, I will still uh, touch on it later on, but let me just quickly explain here, that when Jesus said to Peter that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, he wasn't saying, I'm going to build the church on Peter. That's not what he was saying. He was saying that, because Peter said, uh, you, you, are, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus affirmed it and said, Flesh and blood does not reveal this to you. 
So what Jesus was saying here is that on the, on the rock of the revelation of who I am, on the fact that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, on that rock, I will build my church. Petras. I don't want to just go into all those, you know, technicalities of things, but that's the summary of it. That's what Jesus was saying. So he's saying that on the rock of the revelation of Jesus, which means that every church, any community of believers, the foundation has to be Jesus. It cannot be any other thing. It cannot be uh, someone's charisma. It can't be somebody's personality. It can't be any of those things. And you know, there are so many of those things where people have, have built movements around individuals, you know, and, and their style. Maybe, you know, somebody's preaching style. Maybe someone it has a lot of, you know, and those things are good. They are good to support the ministry, but that should not be the focus. The focus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the foundation of the church. So that's very important to mention. Now, there is something in Scripture, in scriptural interpretation, called the law of first mention. And what it means is that whenever you see, the, the, when, whenever you're trying to understand something in Scripture, go to the first place where it was mentioned in the Bible. And it will give you clarity on how it is used in other places. So this is the first place where we see the word church show up in the Bible. And that word is, is the word ecclesia. That's the word church that was used here. It's, it's the word ecclesia. It literally, literally, it means calling out. That's what it actually means. But it has other forms. And this is just uh, by the way, okay? So if, you're, if you don't like Greek, just ignore this one. So it has other forms. Like uh, ekletos means called out. Uh, ekaleo means to call out. So by the time you combine all of these things together, you are saying that the church is the called out ones. Ecclesia, that's what, that's what we are. The called out ones, the ones who have been called out. Out of, the, out of the crowd, out of the rest of the world. These are the people that have been called out. That's what the church is. Other definitions of this word ecclesia, assembly, congregation, church. So it means all of these things. It means, you know, you know we, we say too that the church is the people. It's not, that's why I like this picture so much. It, it depicts the people in the shape of a building. <laughs> so there is the aspect of the church being we the people. But there is also um, a, a structure involved in church. There is a place involved. In, in the early church, they met from house to house before it grew into people meeting in temples and synagogues and all of those things. Okay, so it, it means of persons legally called out or summoned. It means an assembly of people for worship, e.g. in a synagogue or a temple. So these are all the meanings of the word ecclesia. Okay, it means an assembly of Christians. Anywhere Christians are gathered together, that's, that's ecclesia, that's the church. Anywhere, it, does, it doesn't have to have um, uh, somebody singing with microphone or somebody, all of those things are just things that we have, we have uh, come to use to help us worship God better. But that's not what the church is. The church is really a gathering of believers. Anywhere you find believers. This is the one that I really want you to pay attention to. And if you want to take notes, you can write this one down. This definition is very, very critical. This is the definition of the word church. It is a group of believers that are called out to exercise the authority and domain of heaven on the earth. So a group of believers, in a, in a, maybe in a geographical area or in a particular place, right? They have been called out, but they are not just called out for fun. It's not just called out to show up on Sundays. They are called out in order to exercise the authority and domain of heaven, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, to bring that domain now of heaven, bring it to the earth. That's what the church is. That's what Ecclesia means. Okay? So it was important to set that foundation. Now let me, show, let me give you three things that Christians should know about the church. So we're talking about the church, don't forget. And the, the, I just want to show you three simple things. And hopefully this, this uh, will be something that will help us as we go along. 
All right, number one, the church belongs to Jesus Christ. The church is not anybody's property. The church belongs to Jesus. Therefore, the phrase, my church, that many pastors use, is, is wrong. There's nothing, there's nothing correct about it. And it's tempting because you want to think about, you know, the fact that you're, you are the one that, have, that has done a lot of things. You have struggled. You have, you know, tried to gather people. You have tried to, you know, set up things. You have tried, but all of that, you are, as a pastor, you are an under-shepherd. You are not the owner of the church. There's nothing like owner. And I, I like the legal structure, the way things are set up around here, right? I mean, we're, we went to open an account for the church. And then even the, the person, the banker was the one telling us that, oh, well, this thing now, nobody is the owner. We can't say, <laughs> you know, there are places in the form where they feel that they say, who is the owner, who has 20, 20, no, 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 this one is church. There's no owner. You know, so that makes sense. That's what the church is. The church doesn't have anybody. We as pastors, my, my wife and I, are just the under shepherds under the, the shepherd who is the head of the church. Jesus is the, is, the, is the head of the church. These are very important things that we must, from the beginning, we must understand that there's no, nobody owns the church, all right? It belongs to Jesus. Jesus is the one who founded the church. Look at what he said in that verse 18 that we read. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. Whose church did he say he will build? Okay, I just wanted to test whether you are awake. Whose church did he say he will build? It will, my church, that's what he said. And Jesus is the only one that has the right to say this. Because he's the one who paid with his blood for the church. None of us did that. I, I don't have the right to call it my church because I didn't shed my blood for you. <laughs> so Jesus is the one who, who has the right. He's the only one that has the right to say my church. And in, interestingly, I was looking at it on Friday in the original Greek Bible. I saw the way that it was actually written is, I will build of me the church. That's exactly what Jesus said. He said, I will build of me the church. In other words, it's almost like saying, I will bring it out of myself. So you can't separate Jesus from the church. That's why it's very interesting when you hear people say things like, uh, I, I love Jesus, but I don't like organized religion. You know that thing that they say, I don't like anywhere, all those church things. I don't like church. I don't like church. I like Jesus, but I don't like church. You, you, are, you can't do that. That doesn't exist. So there's no way you can say that you like Jesus without liking the church, because Jesus is the church. They are inseparable. They are one. So it's the same thing. Jesus... Jesus takes the church, the, the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Jesus. Now, let me show you other scriptures uh, that kind of buttress this. You know, when we're talking about Jesus being the foundation of the church, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So this proves that when he was talking to Peter, he wasn't saying Peter is the one. He was saying that he is the rock that is going to build the church on. All right? There's no other foundation. Now, the local church is God's instrument of oppressions on the earth today. These are simple understandings that I want us to have. That the local church is the way that God operates on the earth today. The Bible says he gave gifts to men. When God wants to do something, you know, on the earth, he will look for a group of believers somewhere and give some of the individuals in that group some gifts for the benefit of, the, of that body of Christ, of that body of believers. And when God wants to do anything on, a, on any scale on the earth today, he uses a group of people, a church, in that, in that sense, I hope you're having a better understanding of, of the way we use the word. So that when you hear that word, you, have, you know what it means. You understand what it means. right? So he uses a group of believers as his means to stretch out his arm, literally, into the earth today. The church is a living organism. The church is a living organism. And one thing I know about living things is that they grow. Living things grow. So that's why, for me, I'm, I'm not afraid. Like... 
you know, there are some of my friends that have reached out to me and be like, they're like, are you sure what you're doing? This thing that you're doing, you know? But they don't want to tell you directly, you know? But I'm like, I'm not afraid because the church is a living thing. And it's natural for living things to grow. If you, if, for instance, if when we gave birth to Diamola, it, it, it was not growing, we would have been concerned. We would have, we would have looked at it and said, ah, what's wrong? That's the mindset that we should have. That for any living thing has to grow. And that's what the church is. The church is a living organism. It's not something that you have to beg or cajole to grow. As long as it is healthy, that's why we are taking our time to lay good foundations, to do things slowly. We are not in a hurry. There is no rush. Do I look like a mother any? Please, just, the day you see me that it looks like, <laughs> like the stress on my face, just tell me. Like, there's no rush. We're not in, a, in any panic mode to say, oh, yeah, where are we going to find people? Oh, people have to come. I mean, all those things. The Bible says where two or three are gathered. These are the days that we can enjoy that scripture because there's going to come a time where you can't quote that again and say where two or three are gathered. You can't do that anymore because now the whole place is full. <laughs> you know, but the good thing, where I, was, I was laughing with it with my wife, that the good thing about these days is that the people who show up now, when the time comes, that there are so many lights and we can't see ourselves. And there are so many people and we can't hear each other's voices like this and there's no echo. You remember these days and you connect it. It, it just helps your sense of gratitude. Like something just connects together in your brain that this is what God can do with something if I trust him with it. But there are people who come later on who will not have that understanding. And God bless them. I'm not, you know, I mean, there's, there are people who literally are just sitting by the corner and just watching. Let's just be watching and see. <laughs> Let's see what they are doing first. Let's just be sure that they know what they are doing before we join them. You know, but, you know, that's just the way it is. And you can't, you can't push people, right? But all I'm trying to say is that the church is a living organism. It's not anybody's, you know. So that's why we cannot be in a rush. We cannot be in a hurry. Our, our motto now is that we have to learn to crawl before we walk. That's what we say. My wife, every time we want to make a decision, we say, oh, should we buy this? Should we not buy this? Or, you know, we need money for this. We don't need that. We, let's crawl <laughs> before we start to walk. And then when we start to walk, we can now learn how to fly, you know, and everything will be okay, you know. But when you start to, you know, try to put pressure on yourself and try to run around and, you know, you want to kill yourself over the church, the church belongs to Jesus Christ. All right? So, uh, uh, and, and if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 47, for instance, it says, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church. The Lord did it. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's what the Lord did. So it's not what anybody did. Job chapter 8 verse 7, it says, Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. This is scripture. This is scripture. It's, not, uh, it's, it's the promise of God that even if your, your beginning is small, your latter end would increase abundantly. And that's what we are trusting God for. Okay, so let's move it along. Point number two, the church is a house of prayer. The church is a house of of prayer. The church is not an entertainment center. <laughs> it's a house of prayer. And these are things that when you say now, like in the public domain, people just look at you like, okay, that would be saying your own. But that's what the Bible says. The church is a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. Uh, Isaiah 56, verse 7. This is, this is where it was originally quoted. Even, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The church of Jesus Christ was founded on the prayers of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus was founded on the prayers of Jesus. Jesus did not start a church by going online. That was not the, the first thing. The first thing was prayer. 
the first thing was prayer. And he prayed this prayer ahead of time. He prayed ahead of time. That's why we have been praying. We have been praying. But now we're we going to do it in a way that every single one of us can be involved if we want to be involved. Thank God for this space. I mean, they're not, we, honestly, if we look at it, we should be very grateful to God. <laughs> there are not many churches that have the, that can say that, you know, we are, we are, I mean, there's another family that should have been here today. I don't know why they're not here. Maybe they will let us know later on. But, I mean, I don't know how many churches that are just three families or four families that have a space like this. You know, most of the time you hear, we started in our living room or we started in our basement. We can't say that. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's a good thing. That's a, a, a sign. But we have to make the best use of what God has given us. Uh, it, will be, it will be foolish for us not to do that. It will be very, very foolish. So I'm going to lay out a plan for us in a moment. After the message, I will, I will, I will let you know how we want to go about maximizing this place. We're going to be meeting, the next meeting that we're going to have physically like this on the Sunday will be on December 20th. So we'll be back online for the next four weeks. But between all that time, we have to be praying. We cannot just sit down at home and be waiting online, online, online. You know, we have to be doing something. So we'll be here every Saturday night to pray. Every Saturday night. And I'll break that down for you in a moment. You know, for some people it might be convenient. For some people it might not be convenient. It's fine. The doors will be open. You know, I will be here. My wife will be here. We will pray. Anyone who is able to join, it's fine. It's not, uh, uh, there's no pressure about it. It's not that if you don't come, then something is wrong. No, no, no. It's not like that. It's if, you are, if you are able to. Then other months we will move it to Tuesdays to give room. Because we know people have different, you know, different work schedules. So if those who cannot make it this month, Saturday, they can come on Tuesday nights. And we will do it that way because it's important to understand that. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 17. He was, he was, he was praying for his, for his disciples at the time. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Then he said, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone. So in other words, he was saying, I'm not praying for this, my disciples at this time alone. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he was praying for us at this time to say for, for, for these guys who are my disciples now and those who will believe in them later, I'm praying for them that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So this is the foundation of the church. This prayer that Jesus offered was the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. That's why the church is a house of prayer. It's not something that we should take lightly at all. Then look at Jesus himself now quoted that Isaiah scripture by himself here in Matthew 21 verse 13. He said, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And you know the story when Jesus got into the temple and they were trading. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The early church was a praying church and so are we. The early church was a praying church and so are we. So we are also a praying church. We are a praying church. And they, they continued steadfastly. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So, so let me, let me I, I think um, I, would, I would pass out the, 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 the schedule, right? I have it all printed. I will give everyone one so that you at least you know the dates and whichever day that you are able to show up. So what we want to do is that every Saturday night, starting from this Saturday that's coming up, right? We were here yesterday, my wife and I were here. But starting from this Saturday that's coming up now, if you are able to make it Saturday night at 7 p.m., just come here. We will pray for one hour, right? We will just, uh, we'll, we'll, I would lead the prayers, so there's no pressure on you. It's not that uh, maybe if you come, I'll tell you to lead the prayer. There's nothing like that, okay? I will be leading the prayers myself. 
And it's just for us to make sure that we are doing things the right way. We are birthing this thing in prayer. It's not uh, just my wife and I who are doing the praying at home, right? And that's, the, that's honestly, for me, that's the biggest benefit that I see to having this space at this time. For me, that's the biggest benefit I see. That we can, we can have a place where we can just show up, you know, and just pray. And nobody's going to, we're not calling one hotel manager to say, come and open the door. Or how much is it going to cost to show up? You know, that kind of thing. So it's, a, it's an advantage that we must maximize, okay? So that would be, uh, for this month, would be Saturdays. For next month, December, it will be Saturdays as well. Then January, we'll switch it to Tuesdays. Then February, we'll go back to Saturdays. Then we'll do it like that. I have the schedule printed. I'll give it to you to see, all right? So let me just wrap this up. Point number three, finally. The church is a place of love and unity. The church is a place of love and unity. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. The Bible says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are no longer strangers. Anybody from today who walks in through those doors to, to fellowship with us is no longer a stranger. There's no foreigner. We are all members of the household of God. And we, we must recognize that and treat everybody that way. And people understand that in, in this house, we are all, we are one family. There's, this is the family of God. No matter where you come from. And of course, you know we are saying we are, we are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. There are going to be people who will show up here that are from anywhere. Samson is from another planet, <laughs> you know, than the rest of us. So, and I thank God for him. Honestly, he is, is, anyway, I shouldn't say that in my preaching, but <laughs> you, know, you know how I feel about the fact that because something wasn't, it's not, you know, there are some Christians that want to give you stress because, you know, so that you, you know that you're inviting me to come and start your church. You have to, you have to work hard. <laughs> you have to work hard for it. I didn't even see him at all. You know, we just had a, a simple conversation over WhatsApp. You know, I'm like, Alpha, we're starting this church you know, because, of course, I've been mounting it for some time. You know, and I, I told him, I'm like, we're starting this church. Are you, are you interested? I was like, yeah, he's been watching church online from back in India. So he doesn't have any church yet. I'm like, you don't have church. Now you have church. End of story. <laughs> and that was it. And, and he showed up. He's been online. All the services he has watched, every single thing. He's always commenting on anything. He's the first one. He was the first one to show up here today. <laughs> you know, so God will bring so many more Samson's. There are so many more. And we have to be ready for them. We have to be ready for them to make sure that when people come in here, whether the person looks like you or doesn't look like you, they talk like you, they don't talk like you, you have to recognize that this person is now a member of the household of God. And we are one family. That is very, very, very important. All right? Let me move it along. Love is supposed to be the trademark of the church. There's no other trademark. There's not, there's not, love is supposed to be the logo of the church, honestly. If you want to do a logo for the church, love is supposed to be, because that's supposed to be the center of the church. That's what the church is supposed to be known for. The most is love. John chapter 13, verse 35. Look at what Jesus said. He said, By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how men will know that you are my disciples. Not by the size of your building or the sign on the wall. <laughs> you know, it's how you love one another. That's how men will know that you are my disciples. This is what Jesus said. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And I'm showing you a lot of scriptures, but you are not having to open this. I've done all the work for you. So, so just consume it. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. The key there that I want you to see is they were of one heart and one soul. 
There was no competition. There was no, you know, I'm better than this one. I'm not better than that one. Or this is not my kind of people. This is not, you know. Everybody had one focus, one heart, and one soul. They, 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 they centered themselves around the purpose. And you know, hopefully next Sunday we get to talk about what, what, are the, what are the real purposes of the church that Jesus defined in the Bible. That's what I want to talk about next week. Okay, so he said in, uh, uh, um, they, they were one mind, one, one heart. I, I, I wanted to talk about, okay, also, he also said they, they, no, nobody said he had anything that he had was his own. They all had all things in common. That means they were sharing among themselves. There was, there was nobody who had a need. If anybody heard that somebody had a need, they were quick to, to meet that need. All right, now, in church, we are here to bear one another's bodies. We are here to, to, to stand in the gap for one another. Church is something that you should, you should think about in your mind, and if something challenging is facing you, church is something you should think about and say, well, at least I have the church. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the, that's the ideal thing. And you can say, well, at least I have church. I can take you to the church and they will pray for me. And God will do something. You know, some, you know that's the way that it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be here for one another, to bear one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this is what we are here to do. We are also here to serve one another. We are here to serve one another. As my, as my wife and I walked into the church this morning. We said, we just looked at each other and said, Another phase has started in our lives. <laughs> no more. You know, when we you just walk into a church and everything is already set up, you know, you just come by yourself and just carry yourself inside the church and sit down. That, that, those days are over. Over forever. <laughs> you know? And that's what church is actually supposed to be. We are here to serve one another, to, to look out for one another. What can I do for you? What can I do here? How can I make this? Understanding that this belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to any one human being. There's no individual who, is, who owns the church. And it will outlive every single one of us. If we do it correctly, if we do it right, this is bigger than any one of us. It will outlive us. Uh-huh. So it's something that we need to understand that this is an opportunity that God has presented to us to serve at a level that maybe we have never served before. At, at on a dimension, on a scale that... Because when, when God presents a need to you, it's not because you have all the resources to meet that need. You know, it's not. That's not the issue. It's just giving you an opportunity to stretch yourself beyond where you have ever been to. And the moment you stretch that way, you are not coming back to the way you used to be before. You know, there are people who are looking at us on the outside and just thinking, maybe this guy, maybe he has more money somewhere that he has kept somewhere. That he's, that he's, just, he's just pulling out the money. Okay. <laughs> we don't have any, no, there's no sending church. There's no, no denomination that said, take, take off grants, you know, go and start. Or any network that's like saying, you know, we'll match your donation. There's nothing. We have not written one single letter to any human being to give us one, one dime. Nothing. Nothing from anybody. It's basically just faith, trusting God, and keep moving one step at a time. That's it. And not putting any pressure on ourselves or rushing ourselves to say, oh, we have to do it. This is how they are doing it. You know, this is how everything... I'm like, if I, today I was thinking about it that we're, we're, I'm going to ask you guys if you want to sign up for, for merchandise, like uh, to have goodies, do hoodies and T-shirts and stuff. But I'm not going to do it just because people do T-shirts, Right? Uh, when you are launching church, you have to do fine t-shirt and everybody do it. If, if you guys say you want, we'll do it. Uh-huh. But if you don't want it, there's no point. I'm not going to, you know, go out of my way just because this is what, you know, this is the norm or these are things are done. When God provides the resources, when people start to give and things, you know, then we will, we will start doing things like that. 
Alright, so that's the whole idea. We're here to be here for one another, to serve one another. These are the primary things that are important in a church, not just the, the fanfare, right? And people like fanfare. Trust me, I know that people like fanfare. And there are some people, like I told you, that are waiting in the corner of their room. They're just waiting <laughs> to see the sparks. When they start seeing sparks flying, <laughs> when they start seeing fanfare, they will show up. Ah, when they start seeing that you are doing this, your banner is everywhere, flags are flying everywhere. Ah, now, you know, because some people, the reason why some people go to church is for social reasons. It's proven. Some people just want to, to be able to say, when they ask you, which church do you attend, to be able to say, this is the church. So that everybody goes, ah, that's the church. Oh, okay, okay, you're yeah, a good guy. <laughs> but these are the reasons for the church. There's no other thing. We need to understand that from the get-go. That we, so that we set our priorities right. We know where we are going from the beginning. All right? So this is very, very important. Now, let's, let me start to tie this up. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 14. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That fulfills all the law. So that's what we are here to do. Finally, we are here to motivate one another to love and to good works. We are here to motivate one another to love and to good works. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another. This is New Living Translation now. To acts of love and good works. To acts of love and good works. All right, so this is, this is basically just a synopsis, you know, like I've been trying to do every week to just make it, make it short, precise, you know, and give an idea of where we're going and what this is all about. You know, over the next few weeks, I will try to, you know, explain a bit more. Next week will not be, will not be three points. Let me just warn you now, okay? <laughs> because there are not three points <laughs> to the purposes of church. There are more than that. <laughs> so it won't be three points, but I will try to keep it as, as, as short and as simple as I can. Okay, so let's just bow our heads. Uh, today, I want, I want to ask you, if you're, if you're here, I just want to give an opportunity. I don't want to assume. Maybe you're watching us online um, after we've, we've, we've done this and you're just watching the recording or you're you are in the room with us and you have never actually accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, I, I don't want to take it for granted that, you know, everybody is, is born again. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you are there and that's you, uh, I, I want you to say a prayer with me because the Bible says all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 26. But, but it says if we confess our, our, with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved, Romans 10, verse 9. So if you are, if you are there, whether you're in the room or you are online and you want, to, you want to surrender your heart to Jesus today and you want to say this prayer, you, have, you, have not, you can't really say that this was the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ and you want today to be that day. Just say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus Okay, let everyone say it. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth that God raised you from the dead. I am saved today. I am born again. Say, give me the Holy Spirit of God. One more time, say, I receive the Holy Spirit into my life today. I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.